What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Brandon Stansel over Zoom video. Brandon was born and raised in Chattanooga in Tennessee and talks about how they got into music. Brandon was singing from a very early age, five, six years old, has stories about his parents driving from Chattanooga to Nashville so that Brandon could perform from a very early age, all the way up until about 14, back and forth from Chattanooga to Nashville and back, which is a couple hour drive, nearly three hours. So that's pretty amazing for mom to, to kind of get behind that. Brandon told us some stories that he had never talked about before, which was really, really incredible. He talks us through some of the bigger traumatic moments of his past. Brandon told us about putting out the first EP, Dear John, the documentary Three Chords and a Lie, and about Brandon's new album, which is called This Must Be the Place. You can watch our interview with Brandon on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Brandon Stassel. Hey, Brandon. Hey, how are you guys? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for, uh, for moving this back a couple minutes. My yeah. meeting earlier was running long. <laughs> no worries at all. Happy to do it. Thank you. How are you. you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Yeah. Cool, Where cool. are you? Nashville. Okay. All right. Where are you? LA. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I kind of I'm from, back and forth. Yeah, I'm from San Diego originally. I just moved out oh. here a little over a year ago. So. Oh, cool. How do you like yeah. Nashville? I love it. I love it. I'm yeah. south uh, in the in the burbs, but my family and I we're, we're huge fans. Just more land and you know, just a totally different vibe than than yeah. California and San Diego, which is all we know. And we've you know, we both my wife and I are from California, never lived anywhere else. So. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I'm. Uh, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, this podcast is about you and your... Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Caitlin. This okay, is a fine. podcast about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about your new album. Cool. Sounds great. Sweet. Uh, so are you, you're originally from Chattanooga. Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about born and raised there. Yeah. I, was, uh, I grew up just right outside of Chattanooga in Georgetown. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I spent my whole life there. I went to, um, I ended up leaving, uh, to move, I moved to Nashville at 18, uh, I went to Belmont. Uh, oh, wow. Business okay. there. Um, yeah. And then stayed in Nashville for a little while and then headed out to New York for about three years and then moved out to LA after that. Wow. Very, very yeah. cool. Um, just for, you know, listening to your songs, man, like what a, what a journey it sounds like you've had and just like, I just listened to hurt people. Wow. What a powerful song. Yeah. I mean, it has definitely been a ride, Yeah, <laughs> <It> <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, I, I always say this to people. It's like, you know, the ups and downs are kind of what make you who you are. And mm -hmm. I definitely would not be the person I am without having, had, you know, having had gone through those, you know, certain 
things in my life. So despite how bad they were um, and how hard they were for me, I, I end up feeling very grateful for them um, because um, yeah, they, they, they turned me into this person. So um, Do you feel like it kind of pushed you towards wanting to be more like really wanting to succeed. Like, you know, I'm going to show them type mentality. Not really. I, um, I don't, surprisingly, I don't feel that way. I, I think the, the, the overwhelming feeling I get is that I think when I was really little, I, um, I'm one of five kids and mm-hmm. I was always very taken care of. Um, and you know, I, my, my mother had this strength about her. So did my dad to, to an extent. Um, and I had very strong willed sisters, uh, and, just everyone had like, I I felt growing up had this like strength to them that I just didn't feel like I had. Um, and I wanted it. And, but I, I just, I had no care in the world really. You know, I was, uh, I was just very, I was the the fourth of five and I was just very taken care of. And so, um, when I came out, you know, and it felt like, uh, all of the support and the, structure that I had had my entire life just fell out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, okay, this is your moment. Like, what are you made of? And um, that's when I ended up moving to New York and, um, you know, really kind of cutting my teeth as, uh, as an adult <laughs> in a really tough city. Oh, so yeah, the toughest. Um, uh, yeah. But I just I, like, yeah, I made it work and I figured it out and I learned a lot and I learned a lot about myself and, I, you know, there, no one was holding my hand and, and, uh, you know, it just, it forced me to just really take a look at myself and who I wanted to be and, and, and prove to myself that I could do it at a really young age. I mean, I was 22, 23 years Mm -hmm. old. And I feel like I was going through maybe like what most people would call like a midlife crisis in their early twenties. Yeah. Um, Because I mean, one of the crazy things that, you know, it is, it is literally an insane thing that people do when queer people come out, I'm, I'm, no, I don't speak for everyone, but this happened a lot to me where people would say, who are you? Like, what, what, you know, what are you? What, who, who do you want to be? I have to know. Like, and it was like this, you're like, I'm 21. I'm 22. I don't know. Like, <laughs> right, who are right. you? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, I think because that was demanded of me at, at such a, a young age when I came out, because it was somehow so confusing to everyone that they had a queer brother, sister, friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been dancing around since I was a child. <laughs> like, Open your eyes, people. <laughs> um, but um yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think through the whole process, I gained this, you know, <clears throat> this knowledge that I can make it and uh, I could, you know, take care of myself. And that is, that was in, you know, it has been invaluable to me. Um, so yeah, I feel really grateful for. Well, for it's this. super inspiring. I mean, I, I will tell you that. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, to be that young and then to have, like you said, everything kind of fall, your, your support fall out from under you and go to New York city, which obviously is difficult for anyone and <laughs> take that route. I mean, like uh, very inspiring. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, the New York thing was so I, you know, I don't know that I would choose that again. <laughs> because <laughs> it was really <laughs> tough but I went there for and this is going to sound so 
it's kind of stupid, but um, I wanted to be around gay people because mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up, you know, in the sticks in Tennessee. And then, and then even in Nashville, I mean, recently moving here, it's totally, uh, I don't know. I mean, it feels different than it did when I lived in San Diego. I mean, growing sure. up in California. Well, and I lived there in like 2000, from 2005 to 2010. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I always felt like I was, I just was uncomfortable. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just always felt like I was kind of looking over my shoulder and I just, I, I felt uncomfortable and there weren't a lot of openly gay people that I knew. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just wanted to be around people like me. And um, well, I got that in handfuls and helpings when I'm <laughs> <laughs> Was that good? I mean, did you feel like you had, you were able to build a community pretty quickly that way? Yeah. I mean, it was nice to just like feel like, connected in that in that way but it really wasn't until i moved to la that i felt like i really had like a good community new york's just a tough place like okay it is and and la can be that way too and it really a community is kind of like the saving grace it's like if you fall depending on just where you fall and like the community that you're able to kind of build up around you Mm -hmm. will determine whether the city is worth living in or not like right right you know what i'm saying like and so I, I just didn't really have a great, I had friends in New York, but I just have a great community there. Um, and I had the exact opposite experience in LA, which is, you know, 90% of the reason I love it so much. Um, okay. So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. So growing up, did you, like, were you singing at a very early age? What was, how did you get into music? Yeah, I started singing at five and six. I sang at uh, the church that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Opryland uh, USA used to have a big theme park in Nashville uh, mm-hmm. that I used to work at as a kid. Um, and you go from Chattanooga to, to 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 Nashville to work. I would, yeah. My wow. parents would drive me back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And man, I don't know how they did it. My mother was yeah. a kindergarten teacher, so she, you know she taught till three, and then we would get in the car and drive to Nashville. I would play a show that night, and she would get in her you know we'd get back in the car at 10 30 11 o'clock at night drive back to chattanooga and do it all which isn't super close right it's like two it's like two and a half hours i mean it's it's farther than going down to alabama yeah i mean it's it's kind of wild like (laughs) i i think back on that and i'm like how did how did i convince them that this was like a thing that we should do but i i did that we did that kind of traveling from the time that I was six years old until I was about 13. Wow. Years and years of doing this. And then, um, when I, uh, when I went, when I was 14, I went to a private, um, used to be military prep Academy in Chattanooga and there was no time (laughs) any of that. So I, uh, yeah, I just kind of hunkered down and went to high school and then, uh, moved to Nashville to go to school, to go to college. But you went to, what's interesting is you went to Nashville to pursue music and it wasn't something you're really able to do much in high school. Were you able to like write or play or like, how are you kind of navigating that? Not being, it it sounds like it wasn't something that they didn't have a a choir or, you know, something that you could have an outlet to. Well, actually, so I I did, I had, um, it was funny. My, I, I sang in, in the, choir in high school and then okay so they did have choir and everything we did um but i didn't sing for like the student body until i guess my junior year or so so i think people were very confused as to why i was getting up and grabbing a mic 
Um, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. We, uh, I sang it this, I don't think I've ever even told this story. I sang it like we inducted a new headmaster. And so um, somehow I was asked to sing and sang this song. And then the entire student body just stands up. And I just remember this because I had never like opened my mouth to sing any for years, really, other than just singing in the choir. Because um, I, not to diminish public schools in Tennessee, because my mother was a public school teacher my, uh, for 30 years at a great public school in, 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 uh, in, in Tennessee. But um, when I say I was ill-prepared to go to this private school, I was ill-prepared. Um, so my first two years there, I was just like, I was playing catch up with all of these kids that had been in private school their entire life. So I was not focused on music. I was just head in books and trying to like stay afloat. Um, so once I kind of like allowed myself to breathe again uh, as a junior, I got this chance at saying, and um, I just remember that moment, this, uh, the entire student body of, I don't know, a thousand people just standing up to cheer. <laughs> That must have been feels so good though. What an amazing great. like yeah. There are moments. I think there are. I think we all have. Well, at least I hope we do. I've had several in my life um, where you just get these like little nice reminders that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Right, like a like, quick like a validation, like wow, yeah. I'm doing really well. Fun. I'm doing so, what I'm doing should do. Yeah. And you have you always written country or sang with country music? Well, I obviously grown up in Tennessee. I, it's yeah. what I listen to. Surrounded by. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it's always what I wanted to do. I was, um, but I actually didn't start writing until I moved out to L.A. So I had, you know, I was a singer my whole life and I had wanted to write, but I didn't play a musical instrument. Um, so I wasn't really, uh, you know, set up to write, um, okay. at least by myself. And I moved out here uh, for a boy <laughs> and um, just because this is the way that works always, obviously, I got dumped as soon as I moved out here. <laughs> well, sure, of course. Right? Obviously. I mean, like that was just written. Like, in the yeah, star. I'm willing to move across the entire country for you. And yeah. then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, once that happened, I was already kind of on the line of being like like I had right before that breakup I was like I want to I want to try to write a record and I don't know what it's going to be about and I don't know what I'm going to write about and then I went through this breakup for, with my first long-term boyfriend we'd been together at like for like seven years up until that point wow and I was like well hot damn I got something to write about yeah <laughs> so what year was this first... was this re like how, how recently this was in 2015. So yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's I been mean, seven. It, it was, I mean, it's been a while since that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But I mean, the crazy thing is that like, you just, I, I never, I never imagined that that would be what kickstarted my writing and that that would snowball into, you know, all of these other things. You just never know. But I, I was inspired. I was hurt. Um, and, you know, Though that combination of things is just prime for some country music. <laughs> right, right. So I, uh, yeah, I wrote this. Um, I wrote this record with uh, the help of some friends that I went to school with. Uh, so, um, Parker Welling, who's a huge country writer now, 
um, jumped on the, a few of the songs on that first uh, EP. And then it kind of, like I said, snowballed after that. I just kept kept writing. Did you write the record in L.A.? Or did or was that something you did in Nashville? Or Oh, so oh, wrote okay. a couple things in Nashville. Um, I remember Parker and I did a bunch of, we did, a, I think we, I think we did most of the rights over Skype. I had this picture of us wow. like, in my living room and I had like projected her to the TV. So we're like, I'm like writing <laughs> with her on my TV. Um, so that's how we kind of wrote that record. And then we, I actually, it was only a five song EP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting down there and I had, um, wanted to, t- I wanted to tie, I felt like it was missing something. And I had wanted to title the record, dear John, John was the name of my ex, but mm-hmm. it was just like a goodbye letter to him. So I met with Parker and our friend Haley Steele, who we all went to Belmont together. And they were like, we should just write the title track. And so we wrote the title track and stuck it as song number six on the EP. Oh, um, so that's why that's the last song on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, anyway, but man, I haven't, I never talked about any of this stuff with like, I feel like I have some like go-to subjects that people usually ask me. None of them are these. <laughs> Is that, I hope that's good. <laughs> no, that's I've never talked about my high school experience like that. I've never talked about making this first EP a lot because it's like, you know, I, I, when I went to Belmont, I think a lot of people were just so they were so careful about the first thing that they put out because they just felt like it was going to define them like mm-hmm. forever. And I just wasn't like that. I was like, I'm inspired to do this. Like, obviously my sound is going to change. Obviously the writing is going to get better, but I have to do this. I have this thing within my being that I have to write this project and put it into the world. And so mm-hmm. I did. And obviously the sound has changed a lot over the past seven eight years um, right which so it will proud of that first record <laughs> because i i i did it did kind of two things for me one it you know it kind of proved that i could do this thing that i had always wanted to to write mm-hmm. country music but it's also interesting to and fun to like go back and listen to it and realize that like um i don't feel that way anymore so like all this growth has happened just emotionally and and over the years and um it just feels like a little bit of a diary yeah or like a little time capsule like yeah. that's essentially what records are should or sh- they should be for artists i would imagine it's kind of like this uh you know stamp of a time in your life and yeah and you can go back to it and like oh wow yeah i remember doing this i remember writing the song or I remember putting out this project. It must have been pretty therapeutic to get that all out there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I was, I, I always loved that I, I got to do that and love that that was kind of the genesis of my writing. So mm-hmm. you yeah. said you were talking about, uh, you know, milestones or, or validations with, you know, the, that, that first time you had a standing ovation with thousands of people you sang to your, your school. What was, what was the next one? Was it, after you had put that record out or prior or what was kind of like the next big moment? Man. Um, I don't know there. So that came out in 2015. I released this three song EP in 2016. That became the record that I released in 2017. Yeah. Slow um, down. Is the, is that the whole yeah. album? Okay. I remember. So I was recording that and my buddy who produced it eric Halbig, was also working on some stuff with my friend ty herndon and had played him some of some of the records and then i just get this text message and was like 
hey, Ty really likes this song and he wants to sing on it. <laughs> wow. And I was like, let the boy sing. <laughs> let him <laughs> sing on it. Um, and I remember that was, uh, I mean, Ty and I had been friends. We were neighbors in Nashville when I, when I lived there, which is how we first met. But um, I remember that um, text coming through and just, I don't know. It was kind of a weird shift for me because I grew up listening to his music and I, I think he just has like, one of the most like quintessential like country voices. And here I was like trying to do this thing. And um, this person that I idolized so much growing up um, liked it enough to want to be a part of it. So I think that was a, a probably my next big moment. Um, sure. It was, so it was like, somebody you had listened to. Did you know Ty growing in Nashville when you were living in Nashville or no? Yeah, he was my neighbor. Oh yeah, neighbor. Um, Sorry, I'm just like space totally on yeah. that part of it. <laughs> no, yeah, that's how we met. We we lived at this little, um, this East Nashville, a place called Fifth and Main. It was okay. like, right across the river. Um, and um, yeah, so that's how we met. And then we just became friends after that. But he knew me as, when I first met him, I was dancing on a tour. So I wasn't writing and I wasn't singing. And so when I told him I was starting to make music, I think he was a little hesitant. He was like, hmm. That's okay. what yeah. So you weren't even writing songs yet at this point. No, I wasn't doing, not in 2010, like 2009, 2010. So I, when I, he came out to LA once and this was before, this was before he had heard some of the record and he was like, oh, so you want to make music now? And I was like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to do it. And he was like, I could just tell. He's like, he has no idea, like no clue whether or not I can write or even hold a tune. So it was really, so that I think that made that moment even better when he was like, okay, I'm in. Like, yeah, I yeah, I yeah. Thing on this thing. So that's, that's cool. I interviewed Ty a couple of years ago. I, I thought I did. And I started just quickly Googled it. And yeah, it was when Orphans of Gods came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Orphans yeah. of God. Yeah. It came out. I, I had a chance to, sh to chat with him. Super nice, super nice person. Oh yeah. He's great. And you know, his new record Jacob is incredible. And he, he's just always been like kind of my mentor through this, you know, running down this path of what it is to be queer and, you know, in this country space. So, mm -hmm. which is, um, I'm sure has to be, adds a whole nother layer of difficulty. <laughs> well, it has been something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a way to put it. It's been something. Okay. Um, no, I mean, like I, it's, uh, it has, I wouldn't change a thing about it. And having Ty there to just like, you know, be a sounding board and just be like, I don't know, someone that um, is just proud of like the work and the fact mm -hmm. that we're like making progress and getting to do things like, you know, <clears throat> my video hometown came out. He had invited me to um, watch the premiere at his place and we sat down and watched this thing and he just like cried and I mean, I was emotional too, because it was like my coming out story and this song and like, the, you know, that was in 2017. So it was all still pretty fresh to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, still going through a lot, <laughs> but um, he cried and I realized in that moment, it was like this thing that I was able to do um, was something that he would have done 
20 years ago, but he couldn't because he lived in a world where it was more important to be straight than it was to be honest. And that sucks. Like that, that, that timing, you know, and just him, him getting him sitting there by me and watching this thing, you know, watching this video. Um, and um, I don't know, it was just, it was really special to me. And um, I've always been really grateful for his friendship. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a sad video. You watch it. I mean, I can't imagine what you're going through, even shooting it. Like you're, you can see in your face in the, in the beginning of the video, like you, you have tears in your eyes. Yeah. So the, um, the woman that plays my mother, her name is Janet Ivy Dunsing, and I have known her my entire life. We used to work together at Opryland. So this woman has known me oh, since wow. I was about six years old. <laughs> and, um, we were looking for someone to play my mother. I was like, there's really only one woman that can do it. Like she's basically a mother to me. So, mm-hmm. and she's a, a, an incredible actress. And um, so anyway, she, she, I was like, please come do this. And uh, she showed up on set and she goes, I'm going to hug you. And then I'm not going to talk to you for the rest of the day. And so we hugged when she first got there and literally she wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't talk oh, to me. She wants to get in character. She was in it. And she was in it. And then once we wrapped on day two, she just gave me like the biggest hug. And she said, that might've been the hardest thing I've ever done. She goes, it was so hard to be mean to you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was so hard to be that mean to you. Um, Anyway. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough shoot, but man, I think we, I was so proud of the way that thing came out. My friend Trent directed it and just did this incredible job with it. And, um, you know, it's, it's the thing I think people go back to and, and, uh, at least queer people that reach out to me say that that's the, that's the song, that's the video that they like, I don't know, felt very connect, you know, felt connected to. Cause it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it is a story that happens all the time. It happens all the time. And like, I think we as a, you know, as a country, as a, you know, population, we're like, well, that doesn't happen. I, you know, there are people even in like the comment sections of, you know, on YouTube or Facebook where they're like, this doesn't happen anymore. It happens all the time. <laughs> right. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And so like in this documentary that, that I, uh, did a few years ago, we interviewed these kids uh, with a um, from <clears throat> Nashville Launchpad, which is a charity organization that I work with in Nashville that take in homeless youth um, who just 90% of them just happen to be queer. Um, but they they give emergency shelter for these kids to these kids in Nashville in the Davidson County area. Mm-hmm. We interviewed a lot of them and their stories are just so similar. I mean, to mine and to and to each other's. It's just parents people that are supposed to care about their kids, uh, these kids, and they kick them out for uh, their, something that they cannot change, their sexuality, their gender identity. They cannot, they have no control over it and they get kicked out and they have nowhere to go and they're scared and they are financially, you know, not able to take care of themselves and they need a place to go. So, um, yeah, so uh, the, the story is, very much relevant to you know me a decade ago and to kids today and it's like you know i I made that and this documentary kind of for two reasons uh one so that people like me know that you know 
there has been, there have been people that have walked that road before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, I think that there's some healing and comfort and some solidarity, but also for families with queer people in them to see a story like hometown, to see us, to see the documentary for people that watched it um, to realize that like, you know, it just doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this hard and you can be better. You know, you Mm -hmm. can, think about what you're going to say, you know, if you think that your queer brother, sister, family members about, to, you know, friends about to come out to you, because what you do say in those moments really matter. And they have a, you know, a long lasting impact on that person. And so it's important. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, my hope was that it kind of served both of those purposes, that it would reach people like me and families with people like me in them. So um, yeah, I'm really proud of both of those projects. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the documentary, but that's a, such sure. a cool organization that you had put that you've, you help in, in that. Cause like you said, it's a story that hopefully it will change soon, but it, who knows? I mean, it might be something that people are going through 15, 20, you know, years from now, it just depends on like, as far as like being kicked out and having that relatability, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't think it's ever going to completely disappear, right? Um, there will always be bigots. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when Obama was elected and suddenly America's not a racist country anymore, you know? <laughs> right. Racism doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm not under any delusion that, it, that anything I can do will make it evaporate. Mm-hmm. But I, I am... Um, I do believe that I can help. And I, and I, and I believe that music more than anything is a great healer. Um, And uh, so it's, you know, it's why sometimes I feel like I have incredible friends who do incredible things. And I feel like they're like game changers in the world. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, uh, should I be doing something else to like make a bigger impact in the world around me? And then I think about how music touches my my being, my soul. And then I realized that things that I've written in this living room and in a dark studio in someone's basement have found their way to people that really needed them. And I, um, I don't know, I just never, never thought I'd be able to, to reach people like that. And so I feel grateful for that opportunity and I want to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, to have from, I read that hometown was premiered on cmt and it was the first ever lgbtq plus video ever premiered on on that network that must have been a big i mean talk about a huge deal well there were there were other artists obviously other queer artists that had videos on the station but this was the first time that like it was a queer story right like right coming out story and it was about the fallout and about you know just watching you know, watching it all unfold. And uh, so I think for people that love country music, but it never saw themselves in it, it was like that moment where it was like, oh, okay, wait. Country music is about storytelling and that's my story. That is, right. I know that story, you know, but until then, like, it wasn't really, the, there wasn't anything there for people like us. So it wasn't, was like, yeah, too much to connect to. There wasn't a lot of relatability. Yeah. I mean, like, I, and I love country music, but I mean, like, at some point, you know, 
I wanted to, I wanted to hear something that I f- could feel, you know, that mm-hmm. was mine. Uh, so anyway, sure. I don't know. I, I, um, yeah, it was a moment. It was a thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really but, proud of that. But that's very, very cool. Um, going into uh, Three Chords and a Lie is just such a great title. That's all I, w- I really wanted to go to just because, you know, Three Chords and the Truth is such a powerful, you know, it's just this line that everyone knows, especially in national and country music scene. And to change it up like that, I just thought that was such a brilliant. Um, well, I have to give credit to my, I, I honestly think that we were, my director Trent and my manager Ryan and I were emailing back and forth spitballing titles. And I really, I honestly think it was Ryan that came up with that title, but I love it so much because, you know, I I did this interview with Stormy Warren years ago and he was the first person to kind of say it like this, but it was like, you know, he's been in the industry for a long time. And so, and, and I think anyone that has knows that queer people pervade the country industry, like, right? Like any kind of artistic industry, you're gonna find the gays, like they are there. But the interesting thing is that in the country space, it was like, welcome to this world of storytelling. Oh, but by the way, don't tell yours. It's not in this space. So you're like, okay, well, country music is three chords and the truth. Unless your truth is that you are queer. Right. Unless your truth doesn't align with our truth. Right. And I was like, (laughs) okay, so I love the title. And it, and it really, it was, it was the crux of like, you know, I think my struggle in starting this journey because, you know, it was, it was tough to want to be honest about who I am and about Mm -hmm. what I had been through and tell that story honestly in a space that, prides itself on honesty, but it was like, it was just this weird thing where it was like, okay, so not my truth, not my honesty, Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I, uh, I was really happy with the way that it all shook out. Were you nervous at all about, I mean, even putting out hometown or heard people like, are the, like being that vulnerable and, you know, coming out and putting out something like that, were you, I don't know what your relationship's like now with your family at all. Like, was that something you were afraid of getting backlash on or anything like that? Not really. I, you know, someone was like, why, why was it so hard doing the documentary? And I was like, girl, you go try singing a song that you wrote about your mother in front of your crying mother. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there, obviously it is, I write very, I try to write as honestly as I can about my experiences and what I went through and how I perceive them. And like, you know, I, w- I was in rehearsals for this tour that kicks off tomorrow yesterday mm-hmm. and was talking about hurt people. And I said, you know, I have always been able to recognize the, in my romantic relationships, the shit. Can I cuss on this thing? Yeah, you can cuss whatever you want. <laughs> the, People carry around with them. Like I can see it from a mile away. Cause I got a bag of it myself that I, I like that. right. So like, yeah. I, I can see it when I'm, when I'm like in, in the romantic sense, mm-hmm. but with family, like that was never something that I ever really considered. And looking back on it now, I realized that a lot of the things that I went through 
had nothing to do with me. They absolutely had nothing to do with me. But obviously, like you take it in and you internalize it and you sift through it and you try to make sense of it. But a decade out, I'm realizing a lot of things I went through had to do more with the fact that, you know, the the way my parents were raised, what they went through as kids, like what it was like being young adults and having five kids. <laughs> right. I have two and I can't even imagine. That's a lot. Five. Yeah. So it, I think in, in like refocusing myself that way, it allowed me to kind of see themselves, see them a little bit differently and realize, you know what? I know they're your parents. I know they're your siblings, your aunts, uncles, grandparents, but on a basic level, we are all human beings, fallible human beings, just trying to do the very best we can in this world. And like that to me brought me a lot of healing mm-hmm. um, and a lot of, and, and an ability to kind of like breathe through those experiences. Um, and, you know, so that's where, you know, like hurt people came from. Uh, and that song has been, uh, you know, been so healing for me and I hope it has been for other people that have heard it. But um, yeah, I, I think to answer your question, yes, it's tough, but would I change it? Would I do something differently? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Looking at your new record, uh, this must be the place. Tell me about that. What was your mindset going into that album? Well, um, about two months before the pandemic, um, I got dumped like a sack of potatoes. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, out of the blue. Um, no, I was dating this person for about three years going into like 2020 and, uh, we amicably split, but I was, um, I was just like teed up for like a pretty terrible time when the world shut down. And I, that was early 2020. So the hurt people EP was coming out that summer. And so I was and the documentary was that whole year or whatever. And by the time 2020 ended, I was, um, I had no more tears to cry. (laughs) I was like, I can't do it anymore. Um, And uh, I think even people, even though I wasn't doing like live shows, I was doing live streams and stuff. And people were like, look, girl, I love you, but I can't watch any more of your shows. I have no more tears to cry. So I was like, (laughs) okay, I got I got a shift. But I was ready to do, um, I was ready to do a record that felt, new and fresh for me. And like, I had always straddled this line of when I would go in to write and record to be like, well, is it country enough? Like, mm-hmm. am I straddling that line of doing this like kind of like pop country thing that I want to do, but is it country enough? And for this record, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And I had always been like really drawn to these like you know, I'm a kid of the eighties. So like, I just, these big synthy sounds, like I really just like, I love that. And I always wanted to figure out how to put that into my music. So Mm -hmm. this was like the chance to do that. Um, So that's kind of where the inspiration for the sound came in. And then once 2021 rolled around, I was driving around here in Hollywood and I found myself like singing in the car and just like smiling. And I realized that this was the moment I was like, oh, like I'm kind of back. Like I hadn't felt happy in a while because I just, mm-hmm. the pandemic and the breakup and everything just felt so, and the, and the record, oh, just everything felt so heavy um, that I was like, this is that, this is that space. This is that place, that like moment. Like I just wanted to like 
bottle it and channel it and like and so that is what I felt like was the genesis of that record I just wanted I wanted that feeling to like pervade every song um and I yeah I'm I love this record I'm so proud of it and uh I, I think it's like it's um you know it's got a whole bunch to it but um I think you know it's it's just a fun it's a fun record so mm-hmm. was it I mean it must have been different different writing from that perspective like more of a positive it sounds like you finally found this moment where you're like ah you know i'm happy right now let's write instead of coming from the place where it sounds like you're all your all your other music was from a place of hurt yeah it was definitely different um but uh i don't know yeah so it, it was definitely light lighter <laughs> <laughs> okay. which i needed um so um yeah, yeah, and I wrote this with with a handful of people. Um, my my friend Mylan, who co-wrote "Hometown Slowdown," a bunch of mm-hmm. a bunch of my stuff. We he co-wrote a couple of the songs. Uh, Fancy Haygood is a writer on uh, co-wrote one of the songs with me. And then my friends Will uh, Jay and Sam Creighton out here, who they're just these great pop writers. Um, we just had such a good time writing, and um, it was like nothing. No song ever took more than an hour. It just Whoa. Kind of like flowed out. Um, we wrote the title track in this living room in like, that's cool. I kid you not like 30, 40 minutes. Like it, it was just, everything just like made sense. And like, it just felt, everything was easy, easy. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, and I think that comes across like, just like, it still feels country, but I mean, like, I see palm trees when I listen to this stuff and uh-huh. just like it feels breezy to me and which is exactly what I wanted it to feel like. So yeah, came out. Amazing. Did you write, I'm just curious because you talked about your first record being written over Skype, which totally dropped the ball. Like what happened? How did Skype, you know, shit the bed on having basically the full monopoly on video calls um, I have no idea. <laughs> but aside from that, were you able to zoom at, or did you zoom at all? And were you like, oh, okay, I, I remember doing this five, seven years ago? Well, surprisingly enough, we had had mm, most of them were in person. Like, okay, that's good. Was, I was just curious, yeah. knowing the, the, the parameters of how I was trying the world to, was. I was trying to rethink like when I got vaccinated and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to tell on myself here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I won't call the police. <laughs> writing sessions. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just curious if that. Yeah, have you ever had? If that kind of you had that, like, you were doing it before it was, you know, a thing. So, yeah. So to speak. Yeah. A million years ago, but yeah, thank <laughs> thankfully we we got to um, we got to do this one in person. So I love it. A well, lot better. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Brandon. Um, this has been so much fun getting to know you. You're playing Nashville. I, I did see coming up. So excited about that. And, and congratulations on your, your tour. You said it kicks off tomorrow. Yeah, we're playing the Venice West here in LA tomorrow. And then I do a quick little run to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. And then I'm on the East Coast later this month. We start uh-huh. in New York on the 19th, uh, playing Asheville. Nashville on the 24th, going to be at the yeah. Analog at Hutton Hotel. That'd be um, cool. Hometown Chattanooga. We're going to swing down there and play. Oh, a show. Amazing. Uh, the tour finishes up in Minneapolis, Minnesota on the 29th. Amazing. 28th, I think. Very, 28th. very cool. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much again, Brandon. I have one more question before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I mean, I always say if I had waited for someone to open a door for me, um, that I would still be sitting behind a closed door. <laughs> I like that. So if music is what you want to do and writing is what you want to do, pave your own path, make your own way and just do it. Don't wait for someone to help you. Don't wait for someone to hold your hand. Don't wait for someone to give you a leg up or an opportunity. Just take it, run with it, do it. 